Welcome to Meet the Podcaster at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator, iHeartRadio personality and music director, Debbie Dev. Hey. What's up, everybody? Thank you for making it out here in this crazy weather. Traffic was a hot mess for me. Uh, is everybody here a listener of Rap Radar Podcast? Yeah? Eight episodes in so far. I'm really excited to be here tonight. This podcast, I don't know if you heard, but it is the number one rated podcast in the world right now, which is a huge feat, especially eight episodes in. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. Thank you guys for coming. And let's make some noise so they get out here for Brian B. Miller and Elliot Wilson. Welcome, welcome. What's going on? What's going What's on? What's up, everybody? <laughs> Nice. You like beat that sweater? See I picked it up myself. <laughs> so let's get it started. Let's once again, let's clap our hands that a hip hop show is the number one podcast in the world well, the music, on iTunes. Music podcast. Music podcast. Music podcast. podcast. Music podcast. <laughs> you can't be like, you know, NPR. wrestling, NPR, in other ways. Yeah. We beat NPR as all songs considered. All things considered is its own juggernaut. And we finally knocked out all songs considered in NPR and hit number one. Thanks to you guys, man. Yes, thank we've you. We've only done eight episodes. There was the we've gotten a lot. We've only of love, been up man. for like three weeks, so all y'all tuning in, subscribing, rating. I appreciate that for real. So, guys, before we can talk about uh, the incredible chemistry on the show, all that, all the people you guys are able to interview, let's start it from the beginning. Um, I think everyone here is really pretty familiar with the whole growth from Rap Radar, the website, going into this podcast. Elliot, you've been around since 92-ish, right? Not to date you, maybe a little <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Looking at the gray and the beer? No, I'm You cool. started at uh, Beatdown Magazine. 1992. Then you were the I'm music on my 23rd. editor of the Join, kid. I'm on my 23rd. Let's do it. No. And, of course, we know you as uh, the former editor-in-chief of XXL. That was a huge reign that you had. That was fun. Brian. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> he was there. What year, did you what year did you join the Madness I came in 2000. Actually, once I graduated college. What year was that? 2006. 04 or 05? 06. 06. Yeah. Here's what I remember about BDOT. BDOT graduated from college. Delaware State. Delaware State. I always get the school wrong. And it's, it's the example of what the new generation always wants to be like. How do you get on? How do you connect? And the thing about BDOT was he had met. Bonsu Thompson, who was an editor for me for many years, yeah. music editor, who went to the same school, Delaware State. So I guess you had met Bonsu at an alumni or something. Yeah, it was event. like an alumni come back to the school and, you know, one of those things. So he came away being like, I met this kid, Brian. He's really smart. Like, I remember Bonsu telling me about this kid, Brian. He's really smart, blah, blah, blah. He might intern up at Harris because we had a big Harris publication. So it wasn't just XXL. It was Slam. It was King Magazine. We had a real juggernaut in the game. So the thing about BDOT is once he graduated college, he just started coming up to Harris like he had a job. <laughs> but he really didn't have a job. So he would just be in cubicles. And I was like, at a certain point, I was like, who do you work for? Like, you know, and then we got real territorial. So it was like, you got to pick a team. You XXL? You slam? Are you king? Are you rides? You I was freelancing. You got to pick a I was check. <laughs> Whatever anybody was cutting it, I was there for that. So eventually I was like, yo, you want to get a job? I was like, of course. So and then we picked him. We was like, yo, we, I want that kid. That kid is like, Bonsu told me he's certified and he's smart. And, you know, he's, he's raw now. He's a fool. But he loves this culture. And I was like, he, I, I don't want to lose him to the other magazines in the same building. Like, I'm very, I was, especially at that, at that point in my career, 
I was super competitive for amongst everything. Like I wanted to kill everything and nobody else could eat. So I was like, he's working for me. So we get him. And now I remember from, from Brian B. Miller is that every meeting, not every meeting, but we'd always have meetings like on Tuesdays. And, you know, I basically would run the meeting and we'd go over what we're doing in the magazine, what we plan on doing. And then we would kind of try to open it up at the end for, like, ideas and stuff like that. And then he would always would just have the most outlandish ideas. It was not outlandish. No, you stood out. You was bold. You was bold. The thing was not. If it wasn't outlandish idea, the thing about Brian was that he was always fearless. He was bold. He would speak up. A lot of times if you were a junior editor or you was an intern, you know, you was taught to kind of just not speak up. Brian was always confident. Brian always believed in what he believed in. He always stepped up. He was his own man. So even when you didn't agree with him, you still respected his assertiveness because he did it the right way. He didn't cross the line of being disrespectful, but he was very assertive. So that always stood out to me. And then he, it was great to just see him grow within the company through yeah. the years. So when you, when you left XXL and you went to go to Rap Radar, you took Brian with you. How did that come about? I didn't take Brian with me. We were both out of a job. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the recession. It was like 2008. And just as luck would no, have. No, no, no. Let's go before that. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm I, speeding. I, I, I part ways with terms that can't be part legally spoke, spoken about yet. <laughs> the novel's coming Save in. Save for the like, book. <laughs> no, so then um, it's funny because I had heard, you know, because I left like, I didn't really say, I didn't do the uh, Jerry Maguire, like, who's coming with me? That makes it sound like that. Like, I, I didn't leave with Peter. Nobody like, was leaving. Come with me. I didn't, no, I didn't <laughs> tell nobody I left. I just left, right? So yeah. then. Uh, I thought you had your box running outside. <laughs> like, I'll go. <laughs> no, I left. And then um, I had heard that Peter took it really hard. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> it was my first job. I'm like, yo, we ain't got no boss. <laughs> What's happening? This yellow guy's not coming to work tomorrow? What's going yeah. on? I was so like, then, who's next? Nobody's safe. But Brian worked, and then um, I had other, I had actually two other people that it was times when I was going to start Rap Radar, and I had this, per I'm not going to say the names, I had one person was going to be my number two. I couldn't get the site launched. You know, me and Paul Rosenberg, who's the co-owner of Rap Radar, in late 2008, we agreed that we came to terms that we were going to do this, right? I mean, mid-2008. But then it took long to launch when we were going to launch it. So during that time, I had people ready to work with me in rock, but they were offered jobs, like real jobs, like I could get a job Monday, and I couldn't make them wait. So what happened ended up happening was after being frustrated the second time that I couldn't hire an employee to help me build the thing, at the exact same time, BDOT had left XXL. No, I got fired. Exactly. I got so, laid off. <laughs> Recession. The timing was just perfect. And, it, and, it, and it's funny, I was hesitant at first because I was like, I didn't want to have somebody with me from XXL. I wanted to start fresh. I wanted to implement like, that's over. This whole part of my life is over and this is some new stuff and I don't need anybody that was in that building. Arr! Like I was, you know. So, but then it was like, I like BDOT. BDOT's smart, and this just seems too good to be true. Like, now he's open, and this is the right time, and now I can hire somebody. So then we had the infamous uh, lunch in a Queens, yeah, we a had Queens a, Diner. We had lunch at a Queens Diner on, what was it, uh, the Georgia Diner in Queens, Queens Boulevard. Because we're both from Queens. Exactly. And he was like, yo, I'm starting a website. I'm like, a website? Because this is 2008, <laughs> and, like, the game was changing from analog kind of into digital. And, like, Twitter wasn't... If, if it was up, I it was you new. On Twitter. That yeah, even like it. Instagram wasn't there, so it was like, a, I don't get a blog. What's that? He told me it. We didn't even have a name. We went to Paul's office. Didn't have a name. We didn't have a name. Yeah. Was, we went to Paul's office. Like, I got it. It's gonna be called Rap Radar. I'm like Rap Radar. 
Ellie just said you got to say it with confidence and then rap radar. Rap radar. That sounds hot. You just got to be like I didn't like it at first. We was coming up with all these weird names like underground this and da da da. Undergroundhiphop.com. All this stuff. And then it was like rap radar. Just say it like and then it becomes a reality. And what I liked about it is it already made it sound like something that already existed. Even though it was new. Like they hadn't nobody had taken that domain, the rap radar. Like so it just once you start saying it we built the confidence of it. So, you know, it's funny. I put a photo up today. I found one on my Facebook of like, I think that was your first check. Yeah, right? it was my first check. We had just moved into the office. So we had the office space in Soho, like November 2008. And we didn't launch the site to March 2009. And I had BDOT and I had another employee, Crystal Fairweather. So it was just me and two employees. And I'm bringing all my bullshit, like records and CDs and I'm having them organize it for me and I'm trying to build this office and you know we were just off and running and like BDOT's bringing like J-Rock to the office and all this all these new generation of MCs Kendrick, Kendrick came young ass Kendrick and we were just off and running and it's just the passion so then it, was just, it just felt right that BDOT was the perfect person to help me build this brand. So shooting forward to like the podcast what a lot of people probably don't realize if you don't do radio or do a show Chemistry is so hard to come by. It can be uh, really difficult to get a show moving without really kind of having that back and forth. How do you think your dynamic works out for the two of you? What is your relationship like outside of this show? <laughs> do we have a relationship? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> it's weird because it's like me and Elliot, we, we're both Capricorns, so I guess that helps. But we'll... <laughs> We're in the oh, office. Both of, we'll be in the office. We may not say anything to each other all day, but I know what he's thinking, and he probably knows what I'm thinking. So we just kind of take that element into the podcast, and it works. We just bounce off each other. I think one great thing about the podcast is that it shows that me and Brian are both journalists. You know, I think there's always this kind of click moment for the guests, like, oh, these guys are, like, the real deal. Like, they've, they've both done research. They've done their separate research. Like one may come in with more of a rapport with Brian, and one may come with more of a rapport from me. But you see, to earn the respect, like Esco, I, like we just did DJ Esco, which was really great. I could tell Esco didn't really know who Beat was, but there was that point where he's like, "Oh, I get this guy. This guy's did his research. He knows his shit. He can admit that he wasn't a future fan in the beginning. Hell no. But they can still have a great conversation. So I think that we show that, like we take it very seriously, that we approach it like." the cover story brought to life and we do our research separately. And I think what makes our show unique, our podcast unique is that there's times when I could be the lead voice or he could be the second voice. And there's times where like a Mac Miller podcast, I could fall back and beat, I could lead the conversation and I could chime in cause he has more of a personal rapport with Mac Miller. So I think that that's where it's like, obviously radio does roles of the lead and the side person. I think there's times in our podcast where obviously I'm the lead, but we take turns where BDOT's leading the conversation. And his, his observations are different and unique than mine. And I think that's how we balance each other out. It's funny because you guys are both uh, considered to be, I think, in the hip-hop world, polarizing figures, right? Who, it's, me? Yeah, you too. <laughs> <laughs> you too. You too. Um, when I asked on Twitter earlier today, I asked fans of Rap Radar Podcast what some of their initial feelings towards the show were. And some of the responses I got are, feels like friends, genuine conversation. They don't ask soundbite questions. I hate that. Um, and in this day and age, that's so rare. They uh, Sophisticated journalism is how you guys are being described earlier. Being such seasoned journalists, how has the transition been going from asking the questions and kind of not being so seen and heard to now being bona fide personalities? You're on the forefront of the content that you are distributing. 
it's unique. I mean, I don't think every journalist could make a good podcast. I think it has to be personality driven. Like you said, Ellie and I are both, you know, personalities within ourselves. So it seems just like a natural transition to bring that, you know, to the to the airwaves. And that's what I'm most proud of. I feel like B-Dot's never been a yes man from that history I told you. He was never a yes man. And it's just cool to see him develop. I'm agreed to that, yes. I've never, <laughs> never been to one. Yeah. It's, it's great to see him develop and, like, and be respected. Like, people care what I think, but they care what he thinks also. And it's great. And it's not based on our connection. It's also just based on the work he's putting in and leading the site and being the content director that he is. And his relationships he's developed. Like, I always say his relationship to these artists is different than mine. You know, he has a relationship with Jay-Z, even though he's in with it. A relationship with Drake these a minute. No, like I he don't. has all these different relationships that are different than mine, but his value is very different. I think that it just continues to grow. I think I think he struggled. I remember you struggled with it a lot about like before. being out in the forefront and and you know, taking the do rag yeah. off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I got it I got it in the back. I can't believe you didn't wear it out here tonight. I, I know, right? That would have been now a moment. He wears future hats. You see him with the future hats? The future hats? It's a fedora. Fedoras and shit. Right. You went from Durag to Fedoras. <laughs> but he, I think you've gotten more comfortable with it. I think that people exp- people want to know. I think that obviously we know we're in this digital age, right? So there's so many podcasts, so much content out there. You have to kind of connect to the people that are providing the content for you to take the time to listen. You guys have tons of podcasts to listen to. You know, what's going to make you take an hour of your day to listen to our podcast? What's going to take you to go to our website and look at our content? And I think it's partly the success of Rap Radar is your belief or your connection to me and your connection to BDOT, that we're accountable. These curators are in your face. You see us at parties. We're in the tweets. We're in the streets. We're accessible. And I think that's how you have to move in 2015 or else you're just not connecting to how the culture's moved. And rap fans deserve better. I mean, like when you listen to an interview or, you know, you watch one, it's like the same questions. Like rap fans want to know about rap music. We don't care about who you're dating. Maybe sometimes, but it's not really significant to what we're, you know, what we're used to listening to. Well, yeah. And your guys, that, that really shows in the content you come out with because, and I say this in the best way possible, it's all over the place. You know what I mean? Like you have... <laughs> eight episodes in so far, but it's been such a huge range of people. You have your artists, you have your French Montanas and your YGs, but then you also have managers. You have, you know, label CEOs. You have uh, all different DJs, you know, that were stuck in a Dubai prison for 56 (laughs) days. Yeah, but even like Ibrahim from J. Cole, like at this point, J. Cole, you know, you look at the career of someone like J. Cole. J. Cole came in in front of everybody. He constantly did a ton of press and my album's coming, and he had all these problems getting his debut out. So he's kind of soured on that process. He's been very selective about what press he does and how he shares. And at this point, he's so successful, he doesn't really have to sit down and do any interviews at this point if he doesn't choose to. So how do you still tell his story without necessarily getting that direct access to J. Cole himself? From a different perspective. You know, we look at Ibrahim Hamad, who's his manager, who isn't really getting the credit building this empire with this, with this guy is one of the biggest artists and selling out Madison Square Garden and building this brand on such a high level. You know, from Mark Pitts, who's somebody, an executive that's well-respected, Ibrahim coming under him and J. Cole's relationship and building up a management thing, the same way we saw Oliver empower himself in yeah. future with Drake's situation. And people care about those stories also. And I think it gives you insight into J. Cole in a way that you may not even get with a J. Cole interview at this point. Yeah. And I think that I think that that's the thing about today's fans is that, you know, I remember the divide of like you have to get connected to the music industry to get the access, to get the information, to get the music, 
to get to, to get to connected to that world. And now that doesn't exist. So everyone, these kids that are J. Cole fans know who Ibrahim is. They know he's part of the whole movement. They know he has an important role, but he never had a chance to really put it all in perspective. And we provided that for him. And that was like his second interview ever. So that made it even more special. Well, I thought that was such a dope strategy to take because I think that's what people are craving. Like you said, you can get interviews pretty much everywhere. An artist is a run. Anybody with a phone is coming out with an exclusive. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but what you guys kind of provide is that backdoor information, that right. behind-the-scenes stuff from being in the game from a really long time, from knowing people personally. Was that part of the strategy of, you know, we want to interview people who have a whole different appeal in the game, not just artists? Yeah. Is that part of what this show is going to be? Yeah, absolutely. It's like we don't want to just interview MCOG because he's in town doing a press run. That's corn. He's going to no go No disrespect. To, no disrespect. <laughs> but, you know, he's going to go to Power 105. He's going to go to Hot 97. We kind of ready. The fans and me, we know what the press run is going to be. So it's like we like look at the survey of the game and see how we can we like kind of document the week in hip-hop from a new perspective and who are the players that control that week. So... Future, he had a great performance at Made in America. DJ Esco was on stage too. Let's talk to Esco. Let's see what he had to say. Let's talk about his experiences. He's never done an interview prior to an uh, online written one. So I think it was unique. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We'd rather capture who's the important person in that time. Timing is everything. We know like in hip hop, you know, from, I did a great Meek Mill crown, right? And that was a great event. And the album was that way. This is before the Drake conflict. So think about how that world's changed months from then. So things move so fast in hip hop. Well, our goal is to get the person at the right time that has some connection that's really impacting culture. Like he said, not just getting the person who's has status but is in town and be part of their press run. We want to actively book guests that we feel like this is what people are talking about. And if we can't get the main guy, we can get somebody related to that and still tell that story. Is it hard to book guests in podcasting? Yes. It's really hard. I think <laughs> we're hard. opening the door in terms of that because I think a lot of times, too, with podcasting, it's the same thing I did with Crown where you know we try to look down a little bit on the new generation and we say we should sit with the OG, we should sit with the you know, veteran and tell all these stories. And I'm more interested in talking to the new guy, the new sensation, who has a catalog, but maybe he only has one or two studio albums, but he put out five mixtapes. And he's been in the conversation, and he got the freshman cover four years ago. Like, that person has a rich history that isn't being treated with context the way we know our legends are. You know, I'm from that era, so I don't necessarily want to sit with a fellow 90s legend and recount some tales. Let's I'd talk rather, about the good old I'd rather, days. I'd rather connect to, you know, and try to understand even further what's been going on in the 2000s and who are these young people and, you know, with the business moves they're making. You look at a Tyler, the creator, you look at a J. Cole, you look at a Kendrick, you look at a Drake. That interests me more than the icons at this point. And I think that's what we try to do. But, but in the podcast world, those aren't the guests that have been normally booked. So I think we are breaking that barrier down that this is an important platform. Maybe you don't understand it fully yet and you go to terrestrial radio because you want to get radio spins and you do your business and you can still do that. But this is really the platform that's going to connect to the audience in a major way. And, I, and that kind of showcases just the shift in, in the way we're consuming hip hop these days anyway. What, what have you noticed to be the biggest difference? <sighs> we got enough time for that? <laughs> I mean, Can I have a sip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a sip for that. I think it's uh, I think it's a digital world. I think magazines, no disrespect to any magazines in the house, I think it's kind of an archaic uh, medium. That means old, it, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> that would it means yeah, that? it's kind of dead. 
you know, I think people want their fix now, you know, and I believe that with the podcast, we're able to give you the interview, the conversation in real time. So I think that's base, basically the biggest shift, in my opinion. I think it's all, I think my new thing is I want to call the whole thing broadcasting. It's all broadcasting, whether you have a terrestrial show, whether you have a satellite show, whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're doing video. You're really broadcasting. You're presenting content. You're blasting out through the same mediums, the internet, you know, whether it's SoundCloud, like it's all broadcasting. And I think that those lines aren't really divided that way. You know, you're going to see an interview from a radio show, but you're going to watch the long form video of it. So I think we're all broadcasting and our challenge is to come up with captivating content to make you pay attention to the brands that we're behind. And I think that's how I look at it. Like there's less of that divide. I think this audience wants information. They want insight. Uh, they want inspiration and they're insatiable. And I think that you have to go out there and get the content and deliver it to them. In real time. You can't as wait. As fast as you can with some polish. And That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, for instance, last week we interviewed Mac Miller. And we were going to wait until Tuesday after Labor Day to put it out. And our competitor of ours was, had interviewed Mac Miller too. I was saying, like, why are we waiting? Like, let's sit on this. Let's just put it out, man. We just did the interview two hours prior. So I was like, why not? But with podcasts, you're set up. You basically, whenever you get a podcast deal, the traditional thing is that you're contracted to produce one episode per week, which is a grind, obviously. But what I felt from Jump was you want to have the flexibility that you can change up and do things different. So sometimes I'm the one leading that charge, and sometimes BDOT's the one leading that charge. Yeah. In the beginning, when we had the first one, we did YG. We knew we had YG. We knew we had Eve. And I was like, do we package it together as one episode? Do we do YG now because he's the artist and wait seven days and then put Ibrahim out? We got that tucked. Ain't nobody got That's time ready for that. to go. We was like, no. And Drake had the high record back to back. We're like, we're going to drop it back to back. We're going to hit him with two off the top just to show, like, we here. We're in this arena of podcasting, and we're excited. Then it's the week after Drew Ha, uh, Sean Price passed away, RIP. I was on a mission to get Drew Ha to speak because we have a great rapport from the 90s in that era. I wanted to talk to Drew. He hadn't done any press. At the same time, B-Dot had reached out to Static Selector about uh, Joey Badass and him coming on the show. So it worked out. And Static Selector is an artist for Duckdown, which is Drew's label. So then we were like, these two episodes are perfect. Let's drop those together. So we dropped the first four together. Then we did Post Malone. That was one week. Then we did um, French Montana. That was one week. And with French Montana, you know, with Post Malone and French Montana, it was an example of how, yes, there's times when we're going to have the same guests as the morning shows. But it's our challenge in that point to say, okay, how do we make our conversation more unique make it fresh. and really tell their story and make it fresh? So there's times when you're going to have to be part of the press run or whatever. And how do you strategize with that and be versatile? So we did that with Post Malone. We did that with French Montana. And then, like you said, with Mac Miller, we knew that a competing podcast was putting him on on Tuesday the same day we were. And then we did the interview with Mac on Friday. This is the Friday before Labor Day where everybody wants to party and have fun. Cookouts. And cookouts and stuff. We had, we had CBS Radio doing Mac Miller, and it was great. And b hit me like, are we really just going to wait till Tuesday? Like, what are we? I'm like, you're right. Like, we should just put it out now. Like, get the jump on everybody. Even Makes if it comes sense. out Monday. Like, why should we wait? And thankfully, the people that play at CBS, the people we're in business with, they're supporting our vision. I think that's why we've been able to have such success out the gate. What's the behind-the-scenes strategy when you guys are sitting down to brainstorm for these shows and you're coming up with guest ideas or you're coming up with what's going to be your competitive edge for questioning? What does that look like? 
it's just a lot of back and forth emails trying to get the guests. And um, we kind of like surveyed the landscape of the week. All right, what happened going, what's going on in hip hop this week? Okay, this person, this person, this, this person put out a, a record. And we just kind of strategize. Once we get the artist, we say, okay, what's the angle of how we're going to approach this? But all our preparation is done separately, which makes it fresh. Like, yep. Like you hear beat out in the podcast talking about, did you know Sean Money co-produced that Mac Miller single? Like he's clowning me like, yeah, nigga, I know he did it. Like, <laughs> like, so I think we challenge each other almost. Like we prepare separately. And I'll say, we'll have a little pre-talk before, like, you you know, where we going yep. with this or what, you got some shit, B-Dot? Like, you got, I got some shit. I did my prep. Like, like, we'll do a little bit of that, but we like to keep it fresh. So, and then the whole idea, too, also is not to give all the secrets out, but I feel like <laughs> keep it tough. what we figured out, what we, do, what we like to do is just have, like, an opening where the first 10 minutes is kind of like a recap of the last guest we had and the impact it had. You know, doing the business, whatever the agenda, like promoting this event, like whatever we have going on, and just banter back and forth about whatever's going on. And then we want our guests to come into the room. And one thing we try, I try to do, I don't know if I talk about this with BDOT, I like the looseness of the podcast, what podcasts bring you, which is like, you know, when you see, when you hear terrestrial radio or satellite radio, or even when you see the presented on video, before it starts, the guest is already settled. Like the guest is sitting where the guest is sitting, and it's like, hey, so and so, so, we got so and so in the building. He's sitting there already. That's your set. radio voice? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, we're on the podcast. We got French Montana in the building. French Montana's right there. <laughs> like, we don't have him set. Like, so my thing is, I want to record all the, like, what's up, baby? The pounds, the awkwardness. You sit here. Who's with you? Like, I want all that, not by, like the mics down below. I want all that bullshit banter to be amplified because I want to keep that looseness that you don't get from, from traditional radio. That's something yeah. that I actually really like when I listen to the show. Like I'm hearing, you know, probably taking a sip of a drink and then you're yeah. hearing people walk in and close the, the door. And, you know, He's around yeah, you here hear somewhere. the camera clicks. I laugh into the camera. I mean, I laugh into the mic too loud. Everybody clowns me. <laughs> All these types of errors. Like these, like, like RZA. Like it's not clean. Right. Wu-Tang production. You keep the mistakes. And I think that's the beauty. That's what I love about the medium. It's uncensored. You know, can I curse here? It's always that point. Can I curse here? Yeah, yeah you can curse. It's like, let's take advantage of what this medium provides. If we were doing a satellite show, we'd approach it differently. If we were doing a terrestrial show, we'd approach it differently. But let's let's take advantage of what this medium is, what podcasting is. And, Absolutely. And keep it loose, you know? So Rap Raider Podcast, it is on CBS, powered by CBS and Play yes. It. You guys are currently the number one rated music podcast music. I like in music. the world. Who has been your favorite guest? Because it's a huge assortment of people from all different kind of walks of life and mediums. This Esco one is kind of hard to beat. Yeah. Like, I really That's like this epic. one. But um, I, I like Eve from J. Cole's camp. I really like that one a lot. Because it was like, it's like J. Cole was there, but he wasn't. And I think... I told, for Eve, sure, I told Eve he's a better interview than J. Cole I right think now. It, we're, not, we're never going to get J. Cole now. <laughs> we don't say we're never going to get him. <laughs> and nah, are you one of those college friends? Yeah, uh, J. Cole, you know, I've known him for years. Because um, he went to St. John's University. And um, I know him and... Rapper 360, he used to cut his hair. 360's here. He's What's here? It? There he is. Oh, right there you go. Yo. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so he used to cut his hair. And it was like everyone in Queens at the time in Jamaica kind of was like, if you know somebody, you know somebody. So it was just really dope to see his rise from anonymity to celebrity. Still bugs me out. Like, we damn. We video of you, him going to buy yeah, the Blueprint Yeah, we're going to buy the Blueprint right? 3 at Jamaica Avenue, you know, in the Coliseum, uh, you know, a shopping mall in Queens. And that was his first placement, right? Yeah, that was his first place. He didn't even know if he made the album because, you know, he they said he wasn't going to make it. Is he ducking you on an interview because you know him too well? I don't know, man. J. Cole, he's rich. He got the F.U. money now, so it's like... <laughs> 
You gotta call somebody to call somebody. Once, I think. Was it? Oh, come on, man. That's off the camp. We had an argument. They <laughs> had an argument at the title launch. Deba- at the title launch. The title press conference. What? What the Behind hell the happened, scenes, Brian? They went at it. Come on. It wasn't that bad. It was bad. Was I wasn't about? even there. I heard about it. Whenever somebody has a conflict, if you be like, yo, your man was, you know what's the big? Miscommunication. I'll put it like that. <laughs> That's all it was. Miscommunication. Was we, live, we live this culture and we have yeah. the ups and downs with artists, man. We talked about how Nikki curved us at uh, Made in America because she may not like some things we're she saying. She kind of like, curved you more or less. Oh, okay. She curved me. There <laughs> she you go. did. I mean, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> was it because he liked Drake's diss track yeah, better? I picked up Drake more than me. There was guess. so much oh. tension in that little celebrity pen, pig pen. <laughs> oh, man. So who, Elliot, who was your favorite guest you've had so far? Aiden. It's so hot. Like you, I think you and uh, you like end up falling in love with the last one. Like Esco was great, so I'm excited. I think they're all good. I think it's. I think I say when I say we're eight and zero, I feel like we're eight and zero. I feel like all eight are great in different ways. I think that uh, the pure interview it might be the Eve and the Esco. You know, like he said, yeah, I think just pure interview. But I think all eight are strong and very unique. And I think that we 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 sort of built a formula, but then still has a lot of differentiation between it you know what i mean like also one thing i try to do is and my wife gets on me that because we when we have our relationship goals podcast that i also do i'm a big believer that i want to keep everything around an hour and like in my mind i almost hear the clock at times so i i catch myself like i don't want things to go too far esco is actually the longest interview went like 115 i'm like so if you hear the podcast there's a point where he says something and i'm like okay that sounds like a good note for us to go out on i'm starting to wrap up music like (laughs) so i just think that it's hard to pick a favorite because I think we try to condense everything to be the point where I want you to be engaged, but I want you leaving that you wanted more. I want it to go by to be the fastest hour of your life and you leave wanting more. So I think all of them strike that, but I would probably give the Eve Esco uh, tie for now. What was your favorite? Do you have one? Probably the Esco the one because I didn't really know too much about him yeah, prior, yeah. but hearing that story and then hearing yeah. the moment where he, you know, he was just, he just went into how he it. Was tearing up. Yeah, he, he was t- this close from crying. I stopped him from crying. Yeah. I didn't want him to cry. You I went the other way. That That's was the Paul nah, Walters moment. <laughs> I don't like, I don't want nobody to cry. Like I, I like I, I was like, stop, so we getting out of jail? Stop like, saving these rappers, man. I don't want. He's not a rapper. Yeah, and that I remember that part in the show. You're like, okay, so then you got out of jail, and I was like, no, go back to jail. I wanted to get out. I wanted to. Guide it out like, let's get victorious. He was let's like one sentence yeah. away from a Kleenex. But he's still dealing with, you know, he's still dealing with. Rubbish. He's still dealing with the, you know, traumaticness of that. You yeah, know, that's, that's a big like, deal. You know, that's a bit. That's a lot he went through, and the more blessings that come, the more it reminds him of such a tough situation he had to go through. Yeah. But I think that's what the thing is. Obviously, you know, that's what Eve and Esco are. Are what exclusives, right? Somebody you haven't really heard their story. It's exclusive. Those will always shine. And that's the challenge. The challenge is for us to come up with relationships that if Jay-Z or Beyonce ever do another interview, we have a shot. You know what I mean? Like, those kind of things. Like, that's our challenge, right? So, if you get that exclusive, you're always going to win. That's always going to stand out. But at the same time, I also think the challenge of us getting French Montana, us getting a Post Malone, and showing that our YG and showing that our interview, our conversation is unique and special it makes us stand out. It makes us the reason why we're number one right now. Well, on Instagram, I saw Hove sent you guys bottles to congratulate you. Yeah. It. Has he been listening to the podcast? Has he? I hope not because <laughs> B-Dot, B-Dot be doing bad impressions of him every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, like a Jay Fallon I mean, and shit. When uh, I did see him at Made in America, you know, he was gave us, giving us our props and stuff like that. And he said, you know, you're oh, so successful. Oh, he did? Success- what did he yeah, say? Yeah. He said, you know, I had to do the voice. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> now you put me on the spot. It's like, yo, you, you're doing your thing, man. You're really successful out here. <laughs> so when Jay says that you're successful, you talking to me? I had your post on my wall, man. That's what's up. So but he won't admit that he stole B dot from S dot. I did not. S dot Carter wasn't I had that name since '98. Calling yourself B dot. And how old are you again? I'm thirty. Okay. Twenty nine and a half. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so from day one, kind of just like knowing you guys in in real life, and also being you know fans of the work, I've always wanted you guys to do a radio show because yeah. I felt like you guys would be perfect for it with the storytelling. What I love the most about the medium of podcasting, it lets you tell a story. Right. Like when you're doing terrestrial radio, it's in and out. Your focus is the music. This lets you tell the story to where you're almost making people cry, yeah. Oprah style, and you know everything else. Uh, what do you guys think? How do you think music journalism has changed now in this day and age, especially in this medium? Man, that's another drink. Um, it, like, so I'm 30. So when I was coming up, even in college, I used to get like, I used to freelance for a bunch of magazines, you know, XXL, Rides, King, and I used to make like a dollar word. And, you know, being in college, you're broke. So I would hustle so many, you know, editors. I would get like, $3,000 checks while I'm in college. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this forever. <laughs> and you some new Timberlands. <laughs> so once I graduated and um, I got the job and, you know, the recession hit, I was like, yo, things is things are getting a little bit bad, you know. So uh, things had, things really did get bad. And uh, we just had to persevere. And, you know, I think the written word, it still has equity, but it's not as much as it used to. I think we said earlier, people want things right now in the moment, you know. So I think mediums like podcast and, um, you know, uh, online interviews, on-camera interviews, those are like the, that's the wave of the future. Yeah, like, I if think, you're not yeah. with it, you're getting lost. Yeah, I think we're in the audio, we're in the audio video era. And I think that people will take the time to listen to an hour-long thing if it engages them. They want to see visuals. Like part of the value we brought with Rap Radio Podcast is that we haven't videotaped anything because nah. we feel like that provides another value that hopefully we can monetize somewhere because you know people are spoiled with that. If you're on terrestrial radio already and you're getting paid for that, then the video component is a way to extend your brand to the other audience. But yeah. your main source of revenue is is the terrestrial situation. So with us, I'm not trying to ride out the gate to videotape every single interview. Also want to create a certain intimacy that radio is. Radio used to be you hear it and you imagine what yeah. it looks like with Esco doing the I dab dance. And, you know, <laughs> I like that we're doing that. So we take some photos, but we do it kind of that conventional way. But again, I think that people now take the time to want to watch long form audio and long form video. And that's the challenge. Like I feel like what we're doing here with the podcast is music journalism. Yeah. And I think the people don't judge it that way because music journalism isn't just the print medium, which is what we came from. Is that now the challenge if you're a twenty fifteen journalist is how to tell stories. Like and I think this is a new way we're doing it. No, nah, it's like adapt or die, like what Elliot's doing with the Crown series, you know, it's not related to the podcast, but that's music journalism, you know. The podcast, what we're doing, we're getting insight, you know. But it's all related. There may be an artist that wants to go on the podcast and have the experience of being interviewed by me and BDOT. It serves as like a, a, a preview to doing a Crown with me, yeah. or it may work out both ways. So all those things align. I think that there's places for both that. There's one experience to be interviewed by me. There's one experience by interviewed by BDOT. And there's another to be interviewed by two journalists at the same time. You know, that's very unique also. You know what it kind of feels like as a listener? Like you guys are doing something that would have been for print journalism, but we're right. listening to the audio recording. Like what you put down to reference yeah. you know, later on. It's basically the interview that we would do 
for a magazine, but we're not transcribing it. We're just putting it out there on iTunes. And that's how I felt when I started Crown. I felt Crown is the cover story brought to life. It's that level of access to the artist, but it's played out in front of the people. You get to, you're witnessing journalism. So like even this, like you could have a crowd like this and it's just a straight meet and greet where you stare at the artist, you buy their product, they sign the shit, they take a picture with you and you keep it moving. That's a meet and greet. And then you could have the same dynamics, but you're sitting there, everyone here is paying attention, they're listening to what we're saying, and they're being inspired or they're learning something or they're disagreeing or disagreeing, and they're engaged. And I think that's where stories are being told now. Stories are being told in a very active and real-time way. Yeah, like if you if you have a popping Instagram account and, you know, you're at every show, like that's music journalism to me. It's not the conventional way, but it's 2015, you know? Get with it or get lost. All right, let's make some room for some audience questions. A lot of Snapchat people are in the too. building. You ain't Snapchat. <laughs> the shaggy with the fitted distraction. All right, so I'm from down south, and I wanted to ask you guys, since uh, I heard you speak about this before, what do you feel like the current state of New York hip-hop is? Oh, God. And do you feel like it's the blogger or the DJ's responsibility to break a record? Oh, and God. since you guys have broken into the podcast game, do what you feel compelled? No, no, that's a good question. And do you feel compelled, <laughs> since you're in the podcast game, to be a part of that, that DJ-blogger kind of, like, mix? Right. Um, I've been on the record. I've always said the DJ is, you know, the alpha and omega. I think blogs and stuff like that should be a conduit not a final destination because you know person there's a lot of artists right now with millions of views on soundcloud and youtube and you know when i close my computer they don't exist it's the truth so i think the dj you know they have to be in the clubs they have to be at the parties you know i'm not there elliot's not there we're not on rap oh, radar I'm oh I'm, yeah but <laughs> you know you're not playing sometimes you're not playing that new mc get busy from the soundcloud from rap radar so the dj has a role um in terms of the podcast, maybe, because we're covering, I guess, like the current artists that are popular at the time. So it's not necessarily breaking records on there, but we could use it as a conduit, but I don't think that's what we set up to do. What's going on, Elliot? What's going on, B-Dot? Yo. Um, I think my question is, compared to a lot of the other podcasts that's out, I mean, me being a young hip-hop fan, that's what, this is how we're telling our, we're visually seeing it. So out of the other podcasts that are telling history, do you think you're curating history with the new artists that you're bringing to the table and allowing their story to be told instead of hearing from a legend's point of view that story that's being told? Um, absolutely. I think that's kind of like the goal. Like, there's a lot of new artists. And like we said earlier, I believe it's all about timing. It's like, okay, we could get fab, Hypothetically speaking, he's you know in New York, but why? Why now? You know now why not? Not next week. When should you get him? Yeah, it's yeah, like huh. it's all about the now. That's the question. So it could be a new artist right now. I mean, if this was a couple months ago, I would have we would love had the Troy Ave on there or someone of that caliber when he was doing his thing, you know, on radio. But shout to Troy Ave. Is he here? No, maybe. All right. But I'm just saying that kind I'm of new. Like his record, you want to get people at the right. It's all it's timing. About you want to get timing. If you get Troy Ave, when, if ain't about the money is the high record, then that's the best place to get him. That's, that's what he's saying, ultimately. It's all about timing at the end of the day. Yeah. And what's the best guess? And I think, like you said, that is our goal. Our goal is to not just retell stories to a new audience, but to get uh, official stories from, you know, always to lean towards a new generation because you guys are the engine. You guys are what's important. So our mind's always for that. Again, someone like J. Cole, 
he's such a rich story that now because he's successful, maybe people don't even realize that, all the struggles that he went through. We all know that. We've all dealt with J. Cole and saw his journey. But if you're a fan that just came into hip-hop a year or two ago and you're young, maybe you don't even know that. You've always known J. Cole to be a guy who's rocking stadiums and arenas, and he's a big rap Testing star. Testing out B-Dot at yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends, I promise. Sometimes the cuss-out brings you closer. <laughs> How are you? Good time. Um, so I'm interested in the come up, uh, specifically the point in time where you guys you leave Double XL and you you're at Rap Radar. What do you attribute uh, most of its success to? Was it your past rapport with former artists that you'd worked with? Was it just your determination and drive? What, what do you think the right, success is related question. to? That's a good question. I think. Um, Again, it's all about timing. So in 2008, you know, Nine Right, Two Dope Boys, those kind of blogs, they were covering a lot of artists. You know, like any artist, if you rap, more than likely you'll just be on their blog. Our approach was kind of being more boutique, being selective. You had a, when we wanted artists to make it feel like you had to earn to be on the website, not like just being on there because you rap. And I think that approach over the last six years has helped us get to where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, that was one thing to be selective. We felt like we were launching, like, well, if everyone's doing covering things in one lane and a lot of them are in the same crew with each other, you know, we're, for lack of a better term, going to be a mainstream blog where, you know, some, some new generation has to get excited because you see, like, they'll still put up the veterans, right? Like, your favorite the underground, you'll put MC New Breed and then Jay-Z drop a record, Jay-Z's right there. So if you're MC New Breed, you're like, I'm right under Jay-Z. And it's like, everyone's equal. We was like, we gotta just, we have to differentiate ourselves that everyone's not equal. Like, the big dogs are the big dogs. Eminem puts out something, Jay puts out something, and then the, the new generation that we big up, if it's a B.O.B. or whoever, it's because we believe in that. And we're taking a more selective thing, which was against the idea because obviously if you post more, it's all traffic driven, right? We didn't do anything. We, when we launched Rap Radar, we was, I was against building something that was just about getting traffic and big numbers. When I was at XXL, I was obsessed with numbers. I knew what every magazine sold. I knew how many copies I sold in Cleveland. I knew what every competition, whatever issue of the source cover, Buster Rhymes, November 1997 sold. I was like, if I do the internet, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to create what I think is right. And I think that's what connected to the audience, that we were like, just putting out what we thought was good and being consistent, approaching it like a job. We have Super to have consistent. an office. We got to get up early. We got to get posts up before 12 noon. We need like 12 posts up by 12 noon. We got to approach it like a job. If the record leaks 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm asleep. I'll put it up 6 a.m. And Drake. we'll dominate. You know, Drake, will put out <laughs> Drake will put out records like 4 in the morning and like, shit. Who's up? And it would piss us off. And it was like, I'm going to deal with the person that's waking up in the morning. And they're not going to know that it's been out for free. I mean, they're going to know it's been out for three hours, but it doesn't matter. They're waking up 730 in the morning. So we approached it like a job. We approached it like this is our, our viewpoint. We're going to be consistent in our vision no matter what criticism we get. And I think that's what's helped. So how does the artist, especially a new artist, meet the criteria to get a post on Rap Radar or to get talked about question. on I Your think podcast. the key is they it's, get they get hot outside of us. Yeah, it's always we don't like, make anybody hot. I think I, I remember having arguments with the two of you guys about artists no, that felt should be on there. And I, I think I think a lot of people have taken our approach is more so about documenting what's going on right now. It's like again timing. So it's like why now? Like is this artist buzzing in this country or I mean this state or in this city? Why now? You know, and we got to be select. Sometimes we're early, sometimes we're late, sometimes we're on time. And I think that's the approach we do. And it's very rare that we hear an artist where it's just like they have no buzz. And me and Ellie just both collectively like him. Like, yo, just put him on there. Like, let's just see what he does. But, you know, that's really far in between. 
just being, you know, New York veterans in the hip hop game and coming from a big era in New York music skew your your vision when you're doing posts or when you're seeing new artists come yeah, out. Yeah, it does because you know we're in New York and New York art, you know, New York radio has kind of like been on Lifeline for the longest. That's why it's so important to travel, go to places like you know Houston or go to you know LA and you know get a, get in touch, get the pulse of the, the of the city and uh, the music scene. I think that's the key with us too. I think the reputation we have also is that if it's an important event in hip hop, you might see me or you might see Beat Out or you might see both of us. And I think that was the other approach too. We sort of broke that barrier down where like you see the blogger, you see the person behind the site. That person's there. He's accountable. And I think that that wasn't really what was going on in that 2008, 2009 era. And then social media was really the key for us because, you know, a lot of times sites wouldn't link back to us and we was able to do social media to directly connect with the consumer and connect with the audience. That's why I took it so seriously, why I became so obsessed with it and trying to like feel like I'm always online, I'm always retweeting, I'm always putting out my content and bigging up other quality content that may not come from me and that this is one experience of how you get to know what's going on in hip hop if you just follow me on Twitter or if you follow me later on Instagram. You know, I think that's part of it, that you have to go outside your box to appreciate what's going on. I remember, like, him seeing Macklemore live, and then that made him connect to Macklemore. I remember him going to uh, Delaware Homecoming and seeing Meek, oh, Mill yeah, Meek Mill with Rose Red and coming back like <laughs> Meek Mill. Like, you have to go to really feel and understand, you know, who's moving in Atlanta, who's moving in L.A., who's moving in Chicago. And I think that's what we always kind of embrace, too, that we're not just going to stay in our Soho office, but we're going to be out there on the scene. Oh, what's up, fellas? My Yo. name is Anakin Arts. I represent Reject Dreams. Um, my question is, if, you know, I wake up every day before I clock out of work at 8 in the morning. I'm religiously on rap radar. Appreciate that, God man. Bless you. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> um, Seriously. My thing is, who is the new B-Dot and the new Elliot? If you were the guy that was sitting at the office bringing in these new talents, I'm a hip-hop artist myself, and one thing myself and my team strategize on is... Uh, you know, we're putting out a new single. We're not only trying to get the, the Debbie Devs of the radio station. We're trying to get the interns. We're trying to get the assistants. You know, so who was those people that, that, that uh, like the new B-Dot, new Elliot? I, I don't I hope there's not a new B-Dot, new Elliot. I just want people to be them. <laughs> you know, no, it's real. Like, I just want people to be them. And I feel like... Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta be, be you. You gotta be with like-minded people. So if you're an artist, you gotta know where... You gotta know where the bloggers or the DJs are gonna be. You gotta be persistent. Nothing's given. You know what I mean? So that's just my best advice is like if if you're doing the right thing, things are going to follow. I know it's cliche, but it's the truth. Yo, yo oh, oh, thank yo. you, Elliot, B-Dot, and Dev for being here and taking time out of your day, first and foremost. Appreciate it. Um, for all like young bloggers, podcasters, um, me and Capricorn myself, we can be very opinionated. Swag. Um, how do you like balance between being honest and not stepping on toes so you can keep people coming to your show? It's thin. We do both. Yeah, it's thin. <laughs> I mean, I'm not That's just going to... J. Cole. Good yeah, cop, I, bad cop. Yeah, J. Cole's a great example, right? I've known J. Cole literally for years, almost close to a decade. And at the same time, I have a job to do. So it's like, yeah, I like your album. I don't think it's a classic. Don't hate me for it. I'm just doing my job. And I think real recognizes real. So it's like... You know, we just put our feelings to the side. We'll talk about it and just keep it moving. We, I, I try not to, I'm not going to disrespect anybody because respect is given. So that's just the way I approach things. I try to like walk that thin line. I'm giving my opinion. I would also say but, you and J. Cole had a lot of tension. Let me just use an example. There's tons of examples. I don't want to oh, dwell on this. a lot this. of examples. I don't want to dwell on this like he said. There's more recent examples. But if you look at situations like J. Cole, I'm serious. Like when I say like, 
you know, from talking to your brother, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, sometimes you have to have that disagreement to get to, the, to get to understanding. You have to have that confrontation, you know, whatever level of confrontation or disagreement or argument to get past that. And I think the moment that you guys finally had that, we've been in a much better place since then. And that's what it is. And as you get closer to artists, they, they don't take your criticism as well because they feel like you're my people's. Right. Why are you stepping yeah. on doing this as, as Dev and every, all of us know? So you're constantly navigating these relationships and you have your ups and downs, as I've always said. And I always say, you as a, as a professional, you have to stay important. You have to stay hot so you have a chance to come back around right. and you can deal with it. If you're not on Houston and you're the music director and you don't have a powerful position or you're not running a, a great website where your website has influence, then they don't have to deal with you and they don't have to look beat you halfway for reconciliation. And you're just out there. But if you stay important to the culture and they stay important to the culture, sooner or later you guys are going to resolve whatever differences you have and you're going to move forward. Absolutely. Part of that point was really good for your relationship goals podcast. <laughs> yes. Danielle's here somewhere. Oh, how, yeah. you doing? how you doing? Um, piggybacking off of what he asked, um, I saw, and you talked about doing your homework, I saw your Power uh, 105 Breakfast Club interview, and then um, they actually- A lot of about, people seen that, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually, but I'm talking to Elliot in particular because he sounded, I don't know if I was like incorrect, but he sounded like he really didn't care. He was more of like into like the artistry of, and the realness, which I respected, of having a podcast and being able to express your real feelings without having to worry about offending somebody else and coming off as fake. So piggybacking off of what he said, Elliot, how do you, because you seem like a real person, genuine person, how do you not allow that to affect your business, but then not be fake at the same time, you know, some people oh, fake, you know, they say, oh, great interview. We love your music. And then you go on Twitter and say the song was trash. That how, how do you, how do you, yeah, how do you balance? How do you, you balance? Can't talk, that's the thing. You can't talk out both sides of your mouth. It's like people get mad when like, let's say something comes out and you don't, and everyone's saying it's whack. I may not jump in and say it's whack, but I'm not under there saying the shit is good. Like, oh my God, that Dom can't, like everybody's like, take example, no disrespect to Dom Kennedy. I haven't even heard the Hold tape up. yet, right? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Dom Kenny put out a new tape, right? And everybody was dissing it, right? I haven't heard it yet. So my thing is, if let's say I didn't like, I wouldn't go out of my way to say like, Dom Kenny's tape's amazing. Like, f you guys, it's what you really feel, you know? And like, that's the thing. It's like, it's not like I needed a podcast to express that. I think I've expressed that all the time. But what I do do as a businessman is I'm very selective on when I put my opinion out because it has extra value. You know, if I say Drake won the battle. That means more than, no disrespect, you saying Drake won the battle. So I have to be selective on what platform I say that and how I say it and how I say it in a way that's respectful to Meek Mill, who I also think is a great artist, who I just did an amazing crown event with. So you navigate those relationships. But I think what, what the reason I can stand up and be a stand-up guy is that I'm never going to fake claim one thing and then fake it to the other. I'm not saying Meek Mill won to Meek Mill and telling Drake he won to Drake. Like That's to me. That's when you get into trouble when... You're like a sleazy industry person where you're trying to play all sides to keep things going. You only can have one opinion, and I have to ride with that. And then sometimes your opinions do change, and I'm also manning up to accept that. I remember when Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City came out, and I had the truth, and I said, this album's great, but I don't think it's a classic. And everybody tore me down. And then when I realized that I was wrong, and it is a classic, I admitted that. So at that point, I'm telling my truth. At that point, I think this album is very good, but it's not a classic. I mean, excellent and not a classic. I didn't even think it's very good. I thought it was like 4.5, but maybe not a 5. Then I see the impact it's having on culture, and I'm like, 
Kendrick Lamar's right. This shit is a classic. This is forever going to be a classic. And I think To Pimp a Butterfly, as great as it is, further validates what a classic Good Kid, Mad City is. So I'll state my change of opinion in real time. So I think that's all you have to do is just be true to what you really think and not, you know, try to give a false sense of where your point of view is. That's all you can really do. And I think people don't have enough kind of um, understanding for the fact that you cannot like one song or one project, but it doesn't negate the fact right. that you've loved all of their other stuff or might like things in the future. Artists are sensitive about their shit, man. <laughs> Last question. Last question? Back. Oh, you yeah. gotta be a good hey. one. Hey, how you doing? What's up, y'all? My name is uh, iPod Ammo. Well, you sound like Post Malone and shit. You sound like Post Malone. Well, my bad, then. I don't know what that means. Uh, I didn't check that one out. My bad, player. Uh, no, that's I'm, from, yeah, I'm from Houston, not Houston. From Houston, Texas. Uh, and Dev, question and congratulations on your recent uh, yeah music yeah, yeah. director uh huh swag ninety two point three to beat with uh, podcasting being on the same stage as terrestrial radio do you see uh, podcasting as like an alternative to radio as a competition for radio or life Dev? I like after that. radio I like that I like, or like that life question after radio and when's your when's your podcast dropping Dev? <laughs> So I think they're two completely different things because I think uh, the typical listener that listens to podcasts isn't necessarily the same person that is listening to terrestrial radio. I think they're two completely different beasts. Me personally, I'm a huge podcast fan. Like I find myself listening more and more because I like the companionship of putting on a, a podcast and hearing the talking and feeling like you're a part of it. Um, but I think I don't think that they're competing. I think it's two different ways to tell a story and two different ways to connect with your audience and with music. There you have it. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, like you said, terrestrial, like the people in the car going to work, that's a different dynamic. It's a different than, beast. Than going on. I think the podcast feed more. What I like about podcasts is that I think it feeds into two terms of like the generation that's insatiable, that wants to know everything, wants to know all the inside stories. But I think if you listen to our conversation, if you appreciate a good interview, I think our conversation, we turn our interviews into conversations and they're lively and they're engaging. So even if you're a casual fan of hip hop, I think that if you catch on to one or two of our podcasts, you're going to get hooked. So I think that it serves two different ways. Yeah, because you know? your typical radio listener is listening for the music. The, yes. the talking is the compliment, but they're there for the music. Whereas I think with podcasting, the talking is what you're there for. Right, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to ask. Um, He's real comfortable, man. <laughs> I was probably the first one in here. Um, my f only question was, um, how important is um, like paying for blog placements for uh, artists so they could be seen? Is Don't like, do um, that. Like, ever. Let's say like, like the that pit for the world star. You know, paying to, paying to be seen. How important is that? Have you ever paid for somebody? Yeah, I manage an artist, and you can only get up there if you're like. How's it working out for you? I feel like I feel like people don't click on the new artists coming up. There you go. <laughs> you answer your own question. You can't you can't pay your way into the game. The people decide. So even if you're paying for it, you're gonna be on it, but no one's gonna pay attention. If maybe yeah. maybe you know? like an ad in the background, maybe that might work. But like, don't do that, man. Save your money, B. I mean, utilize it maybe on more marketing materials or or things of that nature, like as opposed to paying for blog posts. Because I don't think that that helps people Shit. connect. I wish oh, I took much. money, man. I'd be straight. <laughs> yeah, many more sweaters. No payola. <laughs> Brian, no. is that all right? Oh, come on. All right, thank you guys. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> yeah, who's before we go? Last uh, question. Who's the next episode? Give us the exclusive right now. We have no idea. I swear, <laughs> I don't know. Who do you want? Who do you want? Do you, and I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Top dog. Top dog. Oh, and punch. Man, that would be great. 
That would He's be elusive, great. man. Dev's gonna make that happen. Only yeah, Dev can make that happen. Only Debbie Dev can make that happen. <laughs> but I, I appreciate everybody Only coming, Dev, everybody yeah. listening. Seriously, for the bottom of my heart, it means a lot. You don't have to. So I really do appreciate no, thank that, you man. Guys. I feel like we're building something special. You guys have been so supportive out the gate. And we promise to keep trying to deliver at this high level. All right. Word. I ain't going to let Thanks. you down. Let's make some noise for the number one music podcast in the world, Rap Radar.